I can't help but look at First Republic and think to myself, okay, the Fed was involved in that. Mm -hmm. I can't help but look at some of the things that are going on in the market and the money that's moving around and not think that the Fed's involved in that. It, look, it's, it looks to me like it's obvious. Right. And given some of the past behaviors of past Fed, uh, Fed secretaries, I, it wouldn't be out of character for Jerome Powell to be moving pieces on the chessboard behind the scenes. My whole point is I don't care if you do that. I can't, why are we being more forthcoming about what we're doing? Right. Like why, why is this, for a guy who is out in front of the media saying, I am always more communicative. I want, I want the world to know. Mm -hmm. Why don't you tell us what we really want to know? What's really going on? Hello, friends, and welcome to the Higher Standard Podcast, where we give you ultra-premium, unfiltered truth when it comes to building your wealth and curating the lifestyle of your dreams. No games, no drama, and no shenanigans. I am your host, Chris Nahibi, and I'm here to help you distill the immense amount of information and disinformation out there on the interwebs and give you the opportunity to choose a higher standard for yourself. There are no gurus here, and no one gives a damn about how wealthy you look. I'm an attorney and a banker, amongst other things. Does that mean you should listen to me? Hell no. This is just full disclosure that while we talk about money, wealth, law, investing, and a lot of related topics, you should always speak to your own advisors for an opinion tailored to your unique investment perspective. I am obligated to tell you that nothing contained in this show is in fact legal or investment advice and is being provided solely for entertainment purposes. So sit back, relax your mind, and get ready for a different kind of podcast where we elevate your baseline in crispy, high-resolution audio. This isn't a different standard. It's the higher standard. Mm, guess who's back? Back again. Uh, housing trouble Just for you bit. and your friends. Not me and my friends? I thought we were going to wrap the whole show. Uh, no? <laughs> no, no, no. We're not that good. Damn it. Yeah. Well, this episode is going to be um, difficult for Dave Ramsey fans. Just a little bit. It's going to be challenging. It's going to be trying. It's going to test their, their loyalties and their emotional well-being. <laughs> and for those of you out there who happen to be big fans of Dave Ramsey, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that we don't care. Yeah. Because the housing market's having a little bit of difficulty. We're going to get into uh, the U.S. housing market and it's in trouble. According to Moody's, of all fucking people, Moody's. Got to trust them. Yeah. Um, we may have had a little bit of a spat <laughs> with their chief economist, Mark Zandi, at one point in time. Who's not welcome on the show. Not welcome on the show, ever. Then we're going to move on to key Fed inflation gauge. It rose 0.3%. Saeed's foaming at the mouth to get to that one. No. <laughs> we're going to dive deeper back into the home market because we're going to set you up for a little smooth classy ride down oh shit lane how, how deep into oh shit lane far down deep right, deep in, into oh shit lane huh into the part that got laser hair mobile got it. and then uh we're going to talk about bank stress once again we're talking about banks a lot on the show but this particular segment is not necessarily on banking per se but more on how it impacts you and uh with that let's just wander on over to the u.s housing market shall we let's do it and you're so sultry tonight. You know, I'm here to be sultry. U.S. housing market, according to the street, it's in trouble. Moody's predicts home prices will fall in both 2023 and 2024. And I'd like to point out, this is a massive pivot, a pivot, a complete 180. A pivot. Pivot. <laughs> a complete 180 from where Moody's was earlier in the year. And frankly, this is goddamn hypocrisy. Right. We called this early in 2022, and there were so many people that were like, you know what? No, man, you're wrong, man. Supply right. and demand, man. Right. Dave Ramsey, man. <laughs> Come on, man. Man. And then we said, if I recall, 15 to 20%, there was going to be a correction. That's what we said. 15 to 20% home price drop. Absolutely. And people lost their fucking mind. When? When did we say that was going to happen? In 2022, we said that was going to happen this year. Yep. And we said- 2023. Most likely by the end of Q2. Yep. Beginning of Q3, maybe. Which also coincides with telling everybody that July is your time to buy. Right. And I'm not here to puff up our chest and say that we were right. But I am. And that Dave Ramsey was wrong. 
I, but Saeed is an arrogant motherfucker. Yeah, I got to. Just tell him. This guy. Wrong. Dead wrong. Piece of shit. That guy. And we were? 100% right. Grade A Wagyu beef right. Yeah, blue ribbon. Top yeah. shelf. We give you what you need. Yeah. Don't listen to people that, that aren't us. <laughs> Existing home prices fell 12% to 363000 in February from $413,800 last June. This slide came amid surging mortgage rates. You don't say, yeah. Saeed. Well, I went on to read the article, but I'm going to read you the first three paragraphs, which I think tell you a lot. The housing market has hit the skids with existing home sales dropping in 12 of the last 13 months and existing home prices peaking last June. Yes. We said over and over again, this slowdown in trajectory, this velocity, if you will, that was scaling back over time was going to be a problem for values because you can't have less and less sales, mm -hmm. increasing interest rates, and expect values not to go down. The proponents of those uh, of the opposite theory were always saying, hey, man, supply and demand. Right. If the supply doesn't go up, demand doesn't go down. And once again, we will say that demand... Without affordability. ...is not, in fact, demand. And we've seen this proven out over and over and over again in this article and several other articles from the National Association of Realtors. Lawrence Yoon has come out and said this at some point as well. So this is a well-documented phenomenon. This is not even a, a, a thing that someone can debate at this point without looking at the facts. It's just real. Right. Okay. The surge of home prices during the height of the pandemic and jump in mortgage rates since the Federal Reserve began raising interest rates last March dampened home demand. So again, I'm going to point out some things from that sense that I think are important. Surge of home prices during the height of the pandemic and jump in mortgage rates. That made demand go down. Right. It wasn't a shit ton of supply coming online. No. It was affordability being a problem. Right. Values went up and the costs went up. Exactly. And demand, it went down. Yes. Wasn't a supply. Because people couldn't afford it. People could not afford it. Demand without affordability is not demand. The next two sentences will be the last, I promise, from this article. The 30-year fixed mortgage rate averaged 6.32% in the week ended Thursday. It had been higher, for those of you who do follow the show, mm -hmm. up from 4.67% from a year ago, according to Freddie Mac, and prior to that, as low as 2%, 2.5% in some cases. Right. When I, For me personally, when I look at the 30-year fixed mortgage rate, I don't like to look at it on a per-week basis, too. So the four-week average is typically what I like to look at, and that was at 6.52%. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that'd be good right there. Yeah. And uh, I do think you might see uh, an, eight, an eight handle at some mm -hmm. point. I really do. Yeah. So don't expect a rebound soon, says analyst from Moody's Investor Service. Here's the quote. You mm -hmm. ready? I'm ready. You feeling it? I'm feeling it in my bones. <laughs> oh, you dirty birdie. <laughs> Likely increases in unemployment. You don't say. And a U.S. recession later this year will additionally pressure sales and prices, they wrote in a report. Again, this is not supply going up or down. Right. This is unemployment, which means affordability. People don't have the money. They can't buy it because they're not making money at their jobs. Mm -hmm. And a recession, right. a negative outlook for the economy because people are worried about money going other places. Again, this is not supply coming in the market. Right. This is affordability. Right. And you might see conflicting articles out there that will skew the data to have it represent a certain kind of way. So uh, Black Knight, another trusted source. Love Black Knight. That, that we like, right? But you'll see, you may see some people citing this. Black Knight said home prices rose 0.16% nationally in February month over month. That breaks a month, a uh, seven month string of declines. Okay. See, so, but the problem with that is that it's seasonality, right? Mm-hmm. It, people, springtime, it, it, starts, it starts to peak up a little bit. So the median sales price of a home in February was 386000 January, it was 383000 So you'd say, wait a minute, that went up. But that's actually down 10% from its peak in May. Yeah. So, you, you know, you really have to look at, at the big picture here. Um, the numbers can be very distorted by looking at, number one, adjusted for seasonality, adjusted for inflation, number two, it can be adjusted on a monthly basis or annual basis. So this right. is where a lot of these reports get very difficult for the consumer to understand. Right. Is because depending on how the data is presented, and I know that you're going to hear proponents of like Dave Ramsey's like classic mentality is they're going to say, 
well, uh, no, month over month it was going down, but year over year or in the span of five years, it's going to go up. And here's what I would say. That is irrelevant to you, the consumer. Right. What matters to you, the consumer, is you want to buy a house and you don't want to pay what it was a couple of months ago right now. Those values are going down. Yes. And for most people who are not looking at this from an econometric standpoint, they're looking at this from a, I want to buy a home and shit's expensive standpoint. Yes. Here's what I'll give you from the Moody's article, or from the article reference Moody's, I should say. On a national basis, we, this being Moody's, expect home prices to decline about 4% both in 2023 and in 2024, the analyst said. Interesting. Risks vary across different metros and market segments, and we're seeing that certainly in the West Coast being much more impacted than the East Coast. Yes. And we're also seeing the Midwest now start to get impacted, but to a, to a lesser extent than the East Co the West Coast. With declines from peak values of 15 to 25% or more possible in some areas. That sounds familiar. God damn it. That does sound familiar. Man, 15 to 25. Who said that a year ago? Mm. Do you know anybody? No. Do you know anybody? I feel like I feel like we may have said something like that. That sounds like something we would say. Multiple times. That sounds like something On the show. Say. Yeah. You know, I, it might be documented in previous shows. You might want to go back and listen to that. That's all I'm saying. Honestly, we need a consulting fee. We do. <laughs> Clearly, somebody over there listens to the show. Well, Moody still is not invited. <laughs> They're not invited, uh, but they listen. Yeah, great vendor. We use them all the time. Not welcome to the show. Uh, in addition, they expect new home sales to drop about 20% this year. And I have uh, a different outlook on new home sales. Interesting. So as you may recall, during the height of what we now know was this economy's real estate market. Mm-hmm. People were going, shit, I'm tired of dealing with multiple offers and multiple bids and getting outbid. I'm going to go into the new housing segment because it's a price. If I can get one, I'm going to have to wait a while to get it. Right. But I can go into these new housing tracks and I've got much more likelihood of success. And realtors loved it because a lot of them were paying way higher than the two, two and a half percent to the realtors to bring it in because the developers are trying to get this inventory off their balance sheets. Right. Right. So I think that had a bit of a boon and it propped up values for a while. But I think affordability has gone so far out of whack now that I don't Absolutely. see, I think no, new home sales are going to really drag. But I, I think the entire market is 15, 25%. I think there's a realistic expectation across the country mm -hmm. to see declines at some point in time. That definitely propped up values for a little bit. And what continues to prop up values is definitely the low inventory, right? People eventually, there's going to be a certain, a certain portion of you know the people out there looking to buy that are just going to get tired of waiting or you know they're looking at their house as their utility and they need to service their needs right so there's going to be some people that are still going to be out there to buy whatever whatever's out there so one of the things this article pointed to was the increase of unemployment being impactful to the overall ability to buy mm -hmm. but we know based on inflation and some of the numbers that we're seeing, that the numbers aren't necessarily going the right way. Right. And inflation is largely an indicator for the Fed to stop their interest rate hiking cycle. Right. And one of the biggest things they look at is unemployment. Yeah, it's part of their job, right? Right. So because of this, inflation now, you had some information on the last reading, right? Uh, yeah, the personal consumption PCE, which is yeah. one of the absolute, like I would say, clear indicators the Fed has pointed to on a number of occasions. PCE is their preferred metric for inflation. Mm -hmm. They're looking at jolts reports, stuff like that for unemployment. Right. And they basically want to see this number come in line to the 2 to 3% target rate that they've pointed to. Mm -hmm. And that will ultimately prop up the unemployment number higher than we as consumers have experienced in the last right. 14 years. Yeah, this is so... PCE is what is is what they're looking at. And this is uh, more so from um, you know the business side of it, right? But personal consumption expenditures price index is excluding food and energy increased zero point three percent. So it, month over month, that is actually less than what they had anticipated, which is technically a good thing. So on a twelve month basis, core PCE increased four point six percent, a slight deceleration from the level in January. Mm -hmm. Now. As we know, we've noted on before on the show, this is where it starts to get really sticky. So, see what now? I'm sorry. Icky, icky. Uh huh. Yeah, exactly. 
the softer-than-expected data came with monthly energy prices decreasing 0.4%, while food prices rose 0.2%. Good prices climbed 0.2%, while services increased 0.3%. So these numbers, it's just it's getting really sticky, and it's not moving a whole lot. We know that the biggest component of you know of these reports is going to be shelter. So um, that that information is going to slowly trickle in. But if shelter does go down 15 to 20%, that does help your inflation number that, come in line. But we know that what we're predicting is July. Mm-hmm. So that's going to take time to get there. And then if it does come down 15 to 20%, that doesn't mean those regions are reporting it in real time. Some of those some of those regions may not report for another several months after that. Mm-hmm. So that's why these that's why there's there's such a lag here. Well, especially for rent and rent equivalent, which is effectively your mortgage payment made into a rent number mm-hmm. for the purposes of calculating CPI. Right. Now, PCE does exclude this, but that's why PCE will become stickier than inflation on yes. the CPI reading will be, right? Exactly. So they'll both move at a slower cadence downward. Mm-hmm. But now, because there are less things that can come down that impact PCE, you're going to start to see this really, really get sticky around this region. CPI around, call it 5%, is going to be a problem. And for those of you who follow the show's kind of current philosophy is that you have the Fed, which is essentially, I guess, phantom targeted. They want inflation above, they want their target rate above where inflation's at. Yes. That's where it's going to be really interesting to see where inflation winds up at the next meeting in May. Right. Right. And how far up they're willing to move the Fed terminal rate again if they are going to move. Right. The all-out odds on favor right now are 25 basis points in addition to where we're at now, and then that ends their tightening cycle in theory. That's exactly. But that's only if inflation comes down to that number or below it. Even though the markets are all betting on them beginning their cut by July. Which is a new thing. Um, I was looking at the uh, world interest rate probability on Bloomberg today. I spent some time looking at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, over the last several months, it had been effectively like a bar chart. Right. With the bars increasing over time. Okay. Right. And that effectively meant that there was going to be an increase in interest rates. Mm-hmm. And then at some point it was like a holding. And now it's the complete inverse. It right. shows where interest rates are effectively dropping off and the bar chart gets smaller over time. Mm-hmm. Uh, showing the, the probability of an increased probability in interest rate cuts during during the next few quarters. Yeah. It's going to be really, what's, what's really going to be interesting to me is what I was thinking about over the last couple of days was, okay, so prior to the last interest rate hike, odds were that they were going to increase at 50 basis points because that's what the data showed we needed. Mm. But there shows some financial instability in the markets with what was going on in the banks. So they cut that down to 25 basis points, right? It's going to be interesting to see when we actually do fall into a recession. See, I, I, don't, I don't like the idea... So many people think that we're going to fall into a recession. No, we're already feeling it, but I'm saying when we, the, we have been in a recession, well, when it gets man. actually printed, so the, the people m- feel it. So the GDP report for Q1 of this year comes out April 27th, I believe. Mm-hmm. Okay, so median expectation for gross domestic part of growth for the full year is is expected to be 0.4 percent for all of 2023. That's the expectation. Considering that the first quarter gain is tracking, according to the Atlanta Fed, at 3.2%. The, the Fed now number? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The three, 3.2% now. The math would require at least some negative growth to, for us to get down to 0.4. So if we're, if we're projected to get a print of 3.2, and by the end of the year it's supposed to be 0.4, how do we get there? Multiple quarters of negative GDP growth. AKA, and we're going to have to start working overtime. I don't even know they're still in opera. I mean, are they still functioning? <laughs> what where have they, they been? What are they, yeah. Not a peep, nothing. Quiet. Yeah. Not a word. Why, why isn't someone go, like calling Ember every day going, hey guys? Yeah. Y'all got something to say? Can, can y'all please chime in? Are we out here watching? Right. Nothing. Nothing. And yet I got Jerome Powell. So I'm interested to see, this like, okay, because they've said, right? They've said that they're going to hold for the whole year. People are calling the Fed's bluff, or they're, they're, they think they're bluffing, so they're trying to call it. Be like, no, you're not. You know, there people are actually betting on the market, the CME, that they're going to start cutting rates in July, right? I, I mean, I, I honestly don't. Black, know how, I don't know how you don't cut rates at this point. 
You, I mean, as much as as much as I want to respect the fact that they've said they're not going to cut rates in 2023, mm-hmm. and I know a lot of people have bought into that, and they're saying, hey, man, they're going to increase rates 25 basis points more, and they're going to hold rates through 2023. The banking system is breaking. Right. It's breaking right in front of us. And the next phase is the pain for the consumer. It's when everything else breaks, right? Right. So it's, it's you can't get credit. Mm-hmm. The, the money cycle's tightening. You now have more unemployment. Businesses Jobs are drying up. Businesses right. can't expand. Mm-hmm. People aren't hiring more people. They're not buying more stuff. They're not selling more product. Right. It, it's just, it's this very parasitic cyclical pattern. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't know if the, the Fed can truly, I truly don't know if they can continue down this path and not cut rates in 2023. It seems... Unless it seems some, like a whole hell of a lot of bravado. Unless something breaks, unless something breaks, that, that's the only way. If nothing breaks, they're just gonna they're gonna keep status quo, right? I mean, do you think if something hasn't broken right now? True. I look at the banks and I'm like, okay, well, this is messed up. Mm-hmm. I look at what's happening internationally, and I'm going, there's there's a lot of warning signs. Yeah, India's going back to the rupee. You know, you got uh, you've got Russia and China brokering deals. Mm-hmm. For Russian gas, uh, Russian oil, right? You've got OPEC cutting back on on oil, yeah. And everybody seems to be taking these pot shots across the bow at the U.S. And I'm sitting here going to myself, okay, well, this problem sounds like it's a pretty big deal. It sounds like things are breaking. It does, and I, I had an article in here. I don't know if it actually made it made it here, but our our boy Doctor Doom came out. Noriel Ribini, and I know we mentioned on a previous episode that you know. Banks across the U.S. have approximately six hundred billion in unrealized losses. Six hundred twenty, right? Six hundred twenty, somewhere around there, yeah. right? In unrealized losses from underwater securities. But uh, what Rubini says is he wants people to look more, look deeper into the into the matter, and says that the banks' portfolios of long duration loans, like fixed rate mortgages, are now less valuable. So those unrealized losses, when you factor in, I gonna give him the credit for this. No, I said, said this to you on the show. No, I know, but when Doctor Doom says it. So, but but here's what he's saying: When you factor those in, Man, do you know what, some bullshit. Do you know what that number is, though? It's a lot more than one point, loans on securities. One point seven trillion. Yeah. Right. Um, he goes on to say the entire banking system combined equity, in other words, its ability to absorb losses before going bankrupt, stands at just two point one trillion. So, I mean, obviously his name is Doctor Doom. So, <laughs> Dr. Doom, according to Fortune, Noriel Rabini warns economic uh, trilemma. I think he's starting to say- Trilemma. Trilemma, trillion dollar dilemma is what he's making reference to, mm-hmm. is making a financial crash inevitable. So, I have talked about this in the show, so fuck him. Uh, I'm the guy who really spawned the trilemma. How come nobody's calling me to interview on CNBC and Fortune? Yeah. And you know, all these magazines, and I'm just saying. These guys, this guy's data point reference is crazy. What? Dude, I'm gonna stop. Come on. Listen, in this article he says this this is this is a quote that I I found fascinating. In the nineteen seventies, when we had the stagflationary shock that led to inflation and recession. Stagflation for you kids is basically a recession where GDP grows. Yeah. Go <laughs> exactly. But there's still high levels of inflation. Um cut me off. In the nineteen seventies when we had the stagflationary shock that led to inflation and recession, debt ratios in advanced economies, we're only about 100% of GDP, private and public debt. Today, care to take a guess where they're at? A whole hell of a lot more than 100%. 420%. Mm-hmm. That's a problem, kids. I can't believe you're getting Noriel Rabini credit. That's my boy. For a I mean, conversation did, did you buy, we had on the show. Did you buy those Adidas's? I want to th- th- throw them away now. You, you got them? No, yeah, you, I got them. No, you did it. Does Stan Smith say Dr. Newman's side? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I bought them. <laughs> It's awesome. I was I was gonna wear them to the NYSE when we ring the bell. <laughs> no, you weren't. Yeah, yeah. No one's gonna look at my feet. That's all. You they gotta take a, you, you gotta take a picture of that. No Rabini in the house. He on my feet. Wait, is that a real thing? Y'all, y'all gonna go ring the bell? Uh, maybe. Oh, I'm not supposed to know. Maybe. Mm-hmm. No, no. You just. I mean, it's a it's a process. Yeah. Um, if you switch exchanges, that's that's what you'll do. So we'll tag along, if, bro. If we decide to do that, then then that'll be something that we'll do. Or maybe the plus one. Don't be a hater, bro. I don't even know if I'm invited. Come on. Yeah. I think I'm I'm like a cardboard cutout of me is going to go. <laughs> yeah. take, take a photo of me and the bell. Yeah. Um, but um, 
So he's not wrong. Look, uh, you can't make billions of dollars of loans at two or three percent or whatever you want to mm -hmm. have rates double, if not triple, since that time in less than a year, you right. know, and expect these banks who had a prolonged period of artificial interest rate deflation to be able to move their 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 loan weighted average coupon up. Right. All of those loans are now inherently less valuable. We've talked about this in, on, on the right. show before, which somehow you seem to have forgotten and given no, Noriel Rubini credit for. Um, yeah, that's a problem. It, right. It's it's a real problem. Now, most banks are going to try to portfolio all these assets, so mm -hmm. they can keep them on their balance sheet for perpetuity and hold them to maturity that's, so they don't have to realize these losses and these that's what I, and troubles. That's, that's what I was going to say. So how many of the institutions, like this, the small and mid-sized like regional banks, would you say when they make, you know, these these loans, these commercial loans, um, are packaging and selling you know them off. Oh, not many. Um, selling in the secondary market and securitizing that's usually a bigger bank function. That's usually a, a bigger bank function. Yeah. Okay. So for those type of banks, it really it really hurts them because there now, are some now, that, that, that now you got to sit and hold, and it really hurts your your earnings. Well, if you securitize and sell, uh, I mean, there's some money to be made. But if um, you know, if you're selling off loans in interest rate decreasing environment, mm -hmm. then you typically have fresh loans that are worth more. Right. But if it's an interest rate increasing environment, you have fresh loans that are worth less than par value. So it, it's, a, it's a problem and it's gonna be a problem for a long time. And I don't know there's a way out of it other than for banks to continue to make money mm -hmm. and manage their expenses. Right. Because you're not gonna manage your earnings up right now. Mm -hmm. Because in that interest margin compression, it's just kind of what happens, right? Right. Uh, I, I don't know that banks uh, are gonna be, M&A activity is going to be pressure on bank the banking sector for a while. And the reason why is this. You're not going to be able to grow and scale your business without merging or acquiring. Mm -hmm. So that might be the pivot in the in the cycle where you start focusing so much on loan growth. And that and due diligence start, process is going to get a whole lot crazier. Yeah, and I don't think private equity is going to be able to buy as much as they wanted to at one point in time. It's going to wind up being former banks or existing banks, mm -hmm. former bank teams or existing banks that that buy other banks as opposed to other people that are not used to the, the regulatory scrutiny and the capital requirements. But right. Using that as a segue, bank stress, softer inflation just made the Fed's life easier. Well, you heard the PCE number. Mm -hmm. That's the softer inflation they're referring to. Federal Reserve got another excuse to tread softly on rate increases. So this article uh, from the Wall Street Journal seems to suggest that because of this slightly softer PCE core inflation, mm -hmm. Soft reading. like your belly, moment of silence. Because wow. you, you, you know, what's yeah, you know what's gonna happen. <laughs> you know, we got. It's not going. It's not about to get harder after this next week. My belly. Yeah. You go. Where are you going? Come on, deep man. Oh. Hey, how many deep dish pizza, mm. pizzas are you gonna throw back? Man, how many you gonna put down your throat? <laughs> Too far, man. <laughs> sorry, sorry. How many are you gonna swallow? Jeez. I mean, he did improve the question. He did. <laughs> <laughs> um, we have not made specific plans to eat a deep dish pizza, but my wife uh, and I and our son are going to. I, this is a fucked up thing that happened today. I haven't even told you about. I'm, I, I, maybe I did. I don't remember. So I travel a lot and I travel via American a lot. Right. Uh, United is a preferred partner with Amex and their program. I got all this preferred status, but they, they tend to fly in like Chicago, like that, that hub. Oh, okay. But I like American because I fly usually to Texas and then Florida, kind mm -hmm. of through the Sunbelt region. Yeah. And that's a American Airlines hub down in Dallas. Okay. Um, so I got a ton of points with American and I used Amex to book the tickets and whatever, whatever. I've never in my life. I know that as like a platinum pro or whatever the hell like my level is with American Airlines because I travel with them a lot. Yeah. I know you're supposed to give free upgrades of first class and everything else and like some other perks. Really? I've never had any of that. Okay. Never. Like they've never given it to you? No. So I thought it was like one of those phantom like things. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you might get this one day if hell freezes over and hell hadn't froze over. Right. So I decide that I'm going to fly Gen Pop with my wife. My wife, my son, me, and my mother-in-law are going to Chicago, huh? Why did you decide to go gym pop? I just feel like the prices on airlines have gotten too ridiculous. Okay. Right? It's a to short enough flight for you to- It's a short enough flight to where it's not that big of a deal. Plus, there were exit rows available. So I'm like, we're going to go gym pop. So today, um, I'm sitting with Hugo at lunch, and at, we're at the bank, and we're talking about some things that have happened. 
and I get this little like you need to check in indicator on my American Airlines app. Okay. So I check in, no big deal. Don't even really look at it. Like I'm just checking whatever. <laughs> okay. You know? I'm sitting there and then I get an email alert and then another alert from the app. I'm like, oh, did I do something wrong? I look at it. You know, congratulations, you got a complimentary upgrade to first class. <laughs> like, what? I look at the ticket and it's just me. My wife, my son, and my mother-in-law are still in Genpop. That's so... Uh... Wow. So, so now I'm on full like DEFCON like one freak out because <laughs> there's no way I'm going to call my wife and make this not sound like a left in behind. Yeah. Right? Right. right. So now in my defense, I was sitting in the exit row in front of them because our son can't sit in the exit row. My wife got that right. seat because she knows that I'm big yeah. and she was going to sit behind me. Uh-huh. All these tickets were paid for with points. Okay. And um, so I tell my wife like, hey, just call them as my spouse on the Platinum Pro, whatever, Platinum Plus, where the hell this, this upgraded status is, they're gonna give you an extra first class ticket anyway. Uh-huh. Right, so she calls up and says, uh, they would if there was another seat left. You're right, but there's not another seat left. Okay. So now I'm in this fucked up position. This, you can't win. I can't win. That's right. So I'm like, let's give it to my mother-in-law. My mother-in-law's below like five foot. She's like 4'11". Okay. She's small, tiny. I'm like, let's give it to her. My wife's like, no, 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 you need to take it. You're bigger than all the rest of us. You need to take it. I'm like, honey, this is a messed up situation. This is not a good look. Not a good look. They should have gave it to Carter. I want to be with you and our, our son. Yeah. And she's insisting that I take it. And part of me wants to take it. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm bigger than everybody else by far. It makes the most sense. It makes the most sense. But you know damn well I got that flight. Mm. Doesn't matter. Yeah, you better, you better be ready to work overtime. I'm public enemy yeah, number one. Yeah, exactly. you're well rested. Yeah, you look comfortable, Chris. Yeah, exactly. So then I try to say, like, honey, it's it's not a 787 or 777. It's a 737-8. Basically, first class is just a bigger economy seat. That's all that is. Okay. Did not buy that argument at all. <laughs> so wait, what happened? Uh, we we have yet to decide. Oh, you still haven't decided. I, I, we still haven't decided. Uh, this, this story actually reminded me of a, of a story I heard on um, The Fighter and the Kid. I don't know if you heard about this. So apparently, um, Brian Callen on that show. Mm-hmm. He uh, was, you know, comedians are constantly torn around. They, um, he ran into Bob Saget. Apparently, what, a, what a G that guy was. What a gangster, right? Um, and he apparently bumped into him out of some random city and they're both flying back into LA and they bumped into each other like while they're like getting on board. Mm-hmm. And this, he goes, Bob Saget looks at Ka- uh, Brian Callen and is like, hey, Brian, where are you going? And Ryan's like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm down here, right? Basically hinting at yeah, in yeah. economy. He's in gym pop. And, and yeah, and Bob Saget obviously right in first class. And he goes, oh, Brian, looks like I won. <laughs> <laughs> I won. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a gangster. This is a terrible story. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. Arun, terrible story? Yeah. Yeah, there you go. See. What? Well, so, well, well, it, the punch, the punchline wasn't there. I thought, uh, you have to understand what he meant. He's like, I just shouldn't have to explain what I mean. You know what I meant. I know what you we're meant. We're competing in the saying, game. We're competing in the game of life. I won. Yeah. <laughs> terrible human being that you found that funny. You I don't la- find it funny. You left. Talking about something funny, I found this article today. Oh, I God. Wanted, this is I want to just show this to you guys and just get your reaction. I don't want to see a Pornhub site, man. Oh, no. What is this? Oh, recession may be coming. Oh, with... son of a bitch. And Jim Cramer says he's not seeing the early signs yet. When was this? The world Last is week. fucked. How is he saying that this is this? No, he's trolling. March 30th, 2023. This is literally four days ago. CNBC, Jim Cramer said Thursday that he's still searching for the first signs of a recession. <laughs> Come I on. knew you guys were going to No, honestly. <laughs> Honestly, no, 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 he's not. <laughs> but it's all anyone seems to be talking about. <laughs> wait, wait, come on, hold on. Wait, wait, it gets the inverted yield curve wasn't enough? It's better, hold on. unless you've been laid off by a tech company or you work at Party City or Bed Bath & Beyond. You're probably, you're probably doing pretty. <laughs> what a piece of shit this guy is. <laughs> Just Come look on, at, look hey. at the picture. Yeah, look at, look at his picture. Honestly, hold on. He's he's trolling. This is, I no longer I'm no longer buying this shtick. He's clearly doing this for the ratings. Unless you were a party city. <laughs> the cashier at party city is like, oh shit. It's so disrespectful. It's so disrespectful. It's so disrespectful. Oh my god. <laughs> 
I was going through the notes since Friday. I'm like, please, no one add this in here. No one add this in here. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Come on. How does this guy not get shot? They gotta <laughs> Jesus Christ. This guy, they gotta get this guy up. No, man. He's no this is he's doing this for ratings, man. I'm no longer it's to the point now where it's like, okay, it's no longer fun. Oh my god. Let you work at Party City or Bed Bath and Beyond. It's fucking golden out here, baby. <laughs> He didn't even go into like layoffs the tech sector. Yeah. He's like, fuck better, they're good. <laughs> they got options. Dang. Oh dude, bro. That, that's the article oh, of the Jesus year. Look, yeah, Chris you got Chris crying over here. It's because I saw him I saw him recently and there was uh I don't normally watch like so he goes on CNBC in the mornings and some of these like uh early shows like Squawk on the Street or stuff like that. Yeah, and they allude to his show late in the day. I get like a teaser to come come check out his show, right? And I haven't really paid attention. I usually have it on mute, and I'm just watching the uh, the tickers at the bottom, right? And I actually listened for two days in a row. And the only reason I listened to the second day is I couldn't believe. The, I thought the first day was a fluke. Yeah, like the, his own like co-host on the on the squawk the, the host the squawk on the street. They fucking hate him. Yeah, and they argue with him. They're like, okay, Jim, whatever, Jim. All right, Jim. They, okay, whatever, Jim. They, but, they're like writing him off. They like openly like. Are frustrated with him. Yeah. And he just says the weirdest shit. And yeah. everyone's just like, okay. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, look, dude, everyone and their mom is talking about Jim Kramer. God damn. So it's like he's brought in more traffic to CNBC than anybody is ever on that network. Can they just put an asterisk in the show and say for entertainment purposes only? They have to. He's the Stephen A. Smith. That's what I said. Yeah, yeah. I said that too. Like, he's, he's a sports he's, reference. That he's, I he's the Skip Bayless, right? Uh, even even never, worse. Yeah. Yeah. Even yeah. <laughs> you guys and your sports. Yeah. By the way, this whole hand gesture thing. And what hand gesture? <clears throat> the the girl who won the um, in LSU. Oh, she pointed at a ring. Yeah. Pointed at the ring finger, did the hand, the face thing. Yeah. yeah. I've heard mixed reviews about this, and okay. as a guy who's not in the like the sports, and I didn't, I, I didn't know the Final Four was happening, much less the the game tonight. Which I, is so odd. You used to be so into. I, it. I still I still like the idea. I've just been so busy. Right. When am I gonna have time to watch television, man? I've barely been home. Right. Um. Which, which reminds me, I'm gonna have to put in some PTO requests for the M NBA playoffs coming up. All right, you do you, bro. I mean, I like money. You do your thing. Um, LSU's Angel Reese unapologetic over gestures to Iowa star Clark. So, so I've heard Iowa two star, takes. First of all, Iowa star Clark is like the like Cinderella of the whole like women's NCAA, right? So she's like, and she's been getting a lot of attention. So she's carrying like women's like basketball in college. Right. So my understanding is she did the same hand gesture or, or like hand in the face thing to this girl at some point in time, right? Um, that, I, that I don't know, but she is like, she, she herself, this girl has gotten away with like disrespecting other players to a degree that's like, she'll like players, players she knows that can't shoot. Mm -hmm. She'll like sit in the paint while they're at the three point line and she'll just wave her hand at them. Like, go ahead. Oh yeah. I've seen her do that. This, this is the, yeah. this is the girl from Iowa, right? Yes. So here's, she's great. Thing. So I had to read, I had to read this. I think both of them are probably very talented, but mm -hmm. so I had to read up on this. This was. As the game was ending, they were up 15. Like she had, they already, so LSU had already won. Right. Here's what I would argue. Okay. okay and this is just my opinion. I don't know if anybody else's opinion or not, but mm -hmm. what world would any, I understand this whole classless thing. They're trying to make it a racial thing. Let's just remove race and gender and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. What world is it okay? I understand like you're in the middle of a game, it's a close game, heat of passion, whatever. You're about to get the ring. Yeah. The confetti's going to come down. You're right. going to win. You're 15 points up. The game is essentially over. Yeah. Why are you disrespecting somebody now? Oh, I mean, I agree. If you're going to shit talk, you know, do it. Do shit it. talk. Do it when the game's close. Do it right before the game starts. You know, put your money where your mouth is. Do it during the game. Right. But you're 15 points yeah, up. This is the end weak. of the game. Yeah, that's weak. But that's, we also, that's not right. We also don't know how much shit talking was going on. So this could have been like the cherry. Oh, 100%. This could have been the cherry on top. 100%. But what I'll say. I don't care for it, personally. What I'll say is, is while NBA players do this all the time and it's messed up. They make mistakes. You should have more poise and know there are cameras on you in this game mm -hmm. and people are watching you that you should at least be subtle about your shit talking. Don't forget, they're also kids, man. This no, I, I get that, but right. kids are also making money now with the NIL money, man. Like, right. They're making no, tons of money in school. Yeah, I get it. And maybe maybe she should have been, uh, you know, coached better or, or whatever. But in, 
Same, this is what happens at every gym across the nation. This is how people talk to each other. So this is not. Oh, yeah. This I, is, I do this to you on the show. <laughs> yeah, I do to you. I, yeah, I do, I'm doing it to you right yeah. now. Um, I, I honestly didn't care much for it. I'm like, it's it's, it's part of the game. I guess, it, if anything, it, it hurts sponsors. You know what I actually thought it was? Huh. I thought all this was manufactured hype to try to build, like, viewership for the WNBA. For the W, I mean, yeah, sure. Why not? I'm all for it. Whatever, whatever it takes. I mean, I, I didn't, I didn't think that was big of a deal, but I just thought that like the timing of it was kind of whack. Like sometimes, right. sometimes you just walk off the court saying, "I, I won, you, you know, lost." That that is what it is. I mean, I actually personally enjoy watching uh, the WNBA, like when the NBA off season's off. And why the hand gestures? Why can't you just do the old fashioned shit talking? Like, hey, bitch. <laughs> you know, I'm sure. Hold on, I'm sure that was said too. <laughs> you know, like go old fashioned. Let yeah. them have to read your lips. I like that one. You know, though. I like that one too. Adding the hand gestures and you know, it's like the same thing as like pointing to the scoreboard. It's like, hey, look, scoreboard's kind of whack. This is way better. Like I'm getting jewelry. Yeah, I mean, I guess. Really? I mean, it's the same thing you do every time somebody hits on you in public, right? You know, <laughs> you point to the ring finger. Yeah, it's like every time I get a positive review. I'm pointing to you on the phone. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we could spend forever talking about sports that I know jack shit about, or we could go into something like BlackRock. Right. So BlackRock, to circle back to what we said earlier on people betting on you know Fed rate cuts later uh, this year in July, uh, BlackRock said, we don't see, this was actually a uh, weekly client note, we don't see rate cuts this year. That's the old playbook when central banks would rush to rescue the economy as a recession hit. Now they're causing the recession to fight sticky inflation, and that makes rate cuts unlikely in our view. And that is what the Fed has been saying they're going to do. Mm -hmm. And the market is betting against the Fed right now. Which signals which signals to what I was saying earlier. It's going to be interesting to say see if they will actually, in fact, cut rates when we do hit a recession or a, you know, a declared recession, I'll say, even though we, we all feel like we're in a recession now. Can I, can I just say this? It, it's astonishing to me how inconsistent the market is right now. You got Bloomberg's World Interest Rate Probability Index all over the place showing interest rate cuts this year. This is opinion, obviously. Mm -hmm. BlackRock saying, no, that's the old playbook. They're not cutting rates this year. Mm -hmm. It's going to get sticky, and they've already told us they're not going to do that. They don't care about causing recession. They care about monetary policy. Right. There are so many opinions here, that, and it's so clear that nobody knows for sure. Why isn't the Fed just being honest with us and telling us what they're going to do? Right. Why, why leave so much speculation? Who mm -hmm. are you hurting here? Right. There's, there's, a, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of uncertainty with what they're going to do, what's going on, but they keep saying, look, we're data driven. As long as we continue to see, you know, data heading in the right direction. Now, I still think I'm still on board with the fact that they're going to raise their target inflation rate. They're going to have to because it's going to get too sticky and it's not going to be 2%. It'll probably be 3%, even though. Well, let me, let me make another prediction. I may do it on the last episode. I'll do it here. You're going to drive banks into a very difficult position where they're not earning any money. They might even be losing money. Right. And I don't think that the, the, the market can take more than one more increase before banks hit that inflection point. Right. Right now, there's turmoil, concern, mm -hmm. but banks are still making money. They've had layoffs. They're trying to preserve how much money they're making. Uh, a lot of them might start cutting back their dividend or they might you know start doing something different. Uh, they might pay less of a dividend. Who knows? Mm -hmm. But you can't pay dividends if you're not making money. Right. And I think that's going to be a big warning sign right now because you're going to have earnings season for banks. I think JP Morgan, April 14th, but call it uh, second, third week of April, you'll see bank earnings season. Right. And uh, that's going to be telling how many banks still have dividends, how, what their earnings look like. Mm -hmm. But well, then you got May. Another interest rate increase. Well, this is also keep it keep in mind. This isn't just you know us as banks, the central bank themselves, the Fed, they've lost fifty billion, mm -hmm. and they're projected they're on track to lose a hundred billion by the end of the year based on this report. Right. This is what I found interesting. Some men just want to see the world burn. <laughs> I swear to God, they have the Fed hasn't posted a loss in over a hundred years. Except 2023. Yeah, where they're projected to lose $100 billion this year. 
That's all. <laughs> just just hundred billion. They, they, and they've never lost it, right? Which is absolutely crazy. And that's where I tell you, man, that people who say, "Oh, you know, oh, there's no cracks. The system's just cracking a little bit. It's not a big deal," mm-hmm. or you know, it's they're downplaying this, or you know, people who say that unless you're a Bed Bath and Beyond or Party City employee, you're not mm-hmm. impacted. Right. Um, that's where I look at this stuff and I say, an inverted yield curve, mm-hmm. bank failures, the Fed losing billions of dollars in a single year. Right. Billions of dollars in a single year. So just like just like banks, right? They bought a bunch of their assets too with mm-hmm. with you know low interest rates. Yeah. Apparently, they're sitting on a trillion dollars in unrealized losses. Mm-hmm. That's I mean, <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. So I don't know how much longer they can let this continue to go on for. I think that they're already putting lipstick on the pig and working backdoor deals. I think that's really happening. Mm-hmm. I can't I can't help but look at First Republic and think to myself, okay, the Fed was involved in that. Mm-hmm. I can't help but look at some of the things that are going on in the market and the money that's moving around and not think that the Fed's involved in that. It look it's it looks to me like it's obvious. Right. And given some of the past behaviors of past Fed uh Fed secretaries, I it wouldn't be out of character for Jerome Powell to be moving pieces on the chessboard behind the scenes. My whole point is, I don't care if you do that. I can't, why are we being more forthcoming about what we're doing? Right. Like, why, why is this? For a guy who is out in front of the media saying, I am always more communicative. I want, to, I want the world to know. Mm-hmm. Why don't you tell us what we really want to know? What's really going on? I mean, everything... Everything that's been done so far, this is what I think Jerome Powell would say to that, his retort. Everything that I've said I would I would do, I've done. So I have been communicating. And I would say it's not enough to just tell us what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. You owe us the courtesy of explaining why you're doing it. Yeah, and these BS, these BS markers that you're using... They're not good enough because look. Yeah, stop you, throwing out new terms. Say, we're firming. Yeah. Don't we're do firm. that. Yeah, we're firming. Don't do that. Or like, you know, these, the CPI, PCE, all this stuff. Listen, we know in, inflation feels a lot worse than whatever these reports are coming out and saying. To every single damn consumer. Right? We every were, single we were saying one. Back, when it, back when it was at 9%, we're like, this shit feels like 20%. You know what yeah. I mean? So um, I know you guys want to exclude food and energy, but damn, I use food and energy, energy every single day. Yeah. So how convenient for y'all to want to remove it's it? It's core inflation, Saeed. Right. And we know your core is inflated. No, what? Mine or yours? <laughs> Come on. Of, of the two of us. Don't do that. I will I will take your fat ass to a DEXA scan right now. And we will scan the midsection. I guarantee you got more midsection oh, fat you, you just want, you, Yeah, you just want to keep it at midsection, but you know there's more muscle here. Bro, just because you got a beefy booty don't mean that your whole body don't have more fat than me. We're going to do this? Come on. You want to go on a challenge? Hey, no, Odun, no challenge. Odun, no challenge. Odun, Odun, Let's you... walk in. I'll even go after Chicago. I'll walk in with you that day. I guarantee you, I carry less body fat than hey, you. Hey, Odun, do you want to get in on this challenge too? No, we know he's fat. Well, hold on. Fattest. I just want to. Yeah, I, don't, I mean, a room. We, I love you, bro, but it's just. I mean, it's optics. How many times have you gone to the gym since you promised us a month ago? Don't do that. Don't don't shame him. We have to. Arun, no, you've hey, been going Chris, through some you shit. Shame don't do me that. Huh? Off air though. <laughs> I don't shame you off air, Arun. <laughs> Arun. Christopher. Arun. Yes, you do. No, I would never do that. Oh, because you're a nice guy. I'm a kind guy. Yes. Who would never insult you. Or friends. What? <laughs> what? We're friends. <laughs> Are we? Yeah. That you were an employee. Um, um, I came to your son's birthday. No, man, I, you did, and I appreciate you showing up four hours late. Did but say, um, did say you come? Oh, no. Hey, hold on. Let me show you that invite. It says, it "Bro, says you're the only person who read the invite four hours right late wrong." Yeah. <laughs> He's guy. like, "Oh, what, why is everybody going home?" I'm like, "Because it started at eleven o'clock." He's like, "I thought it started at four. No, it said up till four. <laughs> so this guy wants. He to... showed up at four. <laughs> I showed up at two, two thirty, bro. <laughs> I don't know. Man. It, party, looked like, it looked like he showed up at four. Party ended at two thirty. <laughs> Already ended at one. Hey man, nah man, I was in that bounce house till at least four. Yeah, I that was, bounce house. Was, I was that, rolling. That, that gives a new meaning to bounce house, bro. That that was like it wrapped around the whole block. Was, <laughs> it was bigger than his apartment. Condo, was, condo. Wow, it probably was. Last year we had two of them. We had like an adult size one and a kid size one, but they were like yeah, kind of. I had never seen this one though, with like the the balloons inside. Yeah, no, it was it was two attached. Oh, the, you know, that was a different one. It, so the bounce house itself was two. It was like a, a bounce house and then like a a slide that came down in like a ball pit. Yeah. That they attached together. I didn't know they could do this. So 
we got one that could attach together and it made it like uber long. Yeah. You know, How like, long? uber long. <laughs> got it. Super, <laughs> super long. Yeah. Um, and then we had, um, for like the younger kids, you had like one of these like blow up uh, globes that like threw balloons around in it with air. And then it could like, your kids can go inside. It's like a dual door. It's like one of those, it's like, it's like uh, working for the CDC, like a, some kind of bacterial issue or some <laughs> yeah, shit. Yeah, you go yeah. through like a middle door, you zip it closed, go through right, another door, right, right, open right. it up, go inside. Well, it was working great until some kid Dude. decided to stick his head in the hole that the air was coming out of and then my, it I know. deflated I was, on us. My, my cousin, uh, when he was in med school, he said he, I guess you have to make your rotations, right? And one, one of the times he was working with some, some type of surgeon. Okay. I think, I think it was neurology. Okay. And he was in one of these operations, right? One of these surgeries. And the guy was working for like 16 hours. So to avoid that whole issue of coming in, coming out, not getting dirty again, right? He literally had someone feeding him like almonds because he couldn't get his hands dirty and he couldn't leave. And they have a catheter put inside of them just so he doesn't have to leave to go to the bathroom. It's insane. Have you ever seen that? No, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, you. you if you got to pee, you got to pee, Dude, right? Can you imagine like for a 14-hour operation? Bro, I can't hold my pee for like an hour. I have the world's smallest bladder. No, you don't. You know how much I go to the bathroom. Really I'm, I'm telling you. My, yeah, my, come on, man. My, no, come on. Come on, meow. They're going to be out here steering my lines. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm being dead serious. You're not being dead serious. Dead serious. We work together. I know how often you go to the bathroom. No, I watch you. You, you haven't seen me Constantly. Like in three years. Because you don't come to the office, man. <laughs> it's very lonely. That's very lonely. Every once in a while, I see you. I'm surprised, and then I realize you're only there because you got to get a haircut. That's your halfway point. Oh, wow! No, you don't even retort because we know it's true. It, it's it, a fact. It hurts because it's true. Yeah, it's a fact. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh, you're here today. Oh, yeah, you're getting a haircut. Stupid me. And then you always come back to show off the haircut before you go home ten minutes later. Oh, wow! I got feelings, man. Come on, man. I got feelings coming my hair, my office, all your hair all over the place. <laughs> Little like tiny hair clippings. You're the only one that notices too. Grinning and shit. Yeah, yeah I noticed. Well, I could go into more content, but I feel like, you know what? Honestly, Jim Cramer's fucking with us anyway. Uh, that was amazing. That was an amazing article. You, you get mad props for that, <laughs> as the kids say. Yeah, plus one. Plus one. Anything else you got? No, nah, man. Got to go home. Got to finish packing. Got to wake up at like five and get my ass to the airport with the wife and the child and probably piss my wife off when I take a first class seat. <laughs> you going to bring me back a souvenir? <laughs> yeah. Bring you back some pizza. Deep dish pizza. How deep? Deep. Okay. <laughs> All right. Tell everybody. Good night, everybody. Bye. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation on the Higher Standard Podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you are listening to this on. If you like this episode, please write a review and share it with us. You're getting the show up and running right now, so every message, every review, and every note counts. This show exists to showcase what's possible when leaders decide to uphold a higher standard for their businesses, their investments, their families, and most importantly, themselves. If you want to see more of my content, I post daily on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. So be sure to follow me on your favorite social media platform. And with that, it is a wrap. And as always, I look forward to hanging with you all on the next episode.